Welcome back to the Be Well podcast. I'm your host, Beth Husted. And this is actually a little bit, this is like healthy living for a healthy life, take two. This podcast, as it was last time, is not specifically linked to a particular awareness or awareness day or initiative. It's it's actually a really brilliant topic and it's had lots and lots of downloads and listens uh, when we recorded it. I can't even remember when we did it now. When I, I think it was I think it was December 21, which is a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. And a lot has changed at Unum in that time. Um, and whilst the, the theory remains the same and pretty much the research is very, very similar as well. We have progressed in terms of our well-being offering and the support we have. And this particular topic is a real passion of mine. In fact, we actually just did a, a, a webinar last week with one of our partners, Reframe. Um, and it's about the approach we all need to take to health and well-being. Now, it's called Healthy Living for a Healthy Life. But the session really is talking about the importance of looking after ourselves we all know generally what we should be doing, eating healthy, thinking about how we manage stress, thinking about our thought processes, our automatic negative thoughts, exercising, eating and drinking. And I don't think anything has changed since the 2021 podcast where I <laughs> said that I needed to cut alcohol. Actually, do you know what I have? I'm quite impressed with myself. I don't have got, I'm not free, but I'm definitely reduced. But generally, we still tend to ignore it. And then there's fads, etc. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that, anything in moderation. But we've created this podcast, like I say, we did it a while back, but we needed to redo it, renew it. And, you know, there's so much research into how your health and your well-being, your habits, your lifestyle can have on your health outcomes. Like I said, we did a webinar last last week uh, with Reframe talking about health and well-being and lifestyle and how it can impact on your treatment, success and your treatment outcomes with cancer. And literally, there is so much research into your well-being habits and lifestyle and what that can have on your health outcomes. Literally, being healthier in your mind, in your body, it can can improve your treatment outgoing outcomes, specifically when you're going through cancer treatment. We know that having a healthier lifestyle can reduce the risks of many potentially long-term and incurable conditions, not just cancer, a variety of different long-term conditions. But Emma, I've brought you know, instead of me keep going on about it, I brought our expert back and Emma did this podcast with me previously um, and she's one of our nurses here at Unum and, you know, it's not just about cancer, but that's specifically the area that you've been looking into and, and, and are quite knowledgeable in. So, yeah, why have you got a special interest? Why have you come back? <laughs> uh, well, thanks for, thanks for inviting me back, Beth. Um, yeah, as Beth said, I've been at Unum, I'm a nurse specialist here at Unum, been here for about 10 years, came from clinical practice in the NHS and worked in oncology during my time in the NHS. So I've sort of quite a long career, seen quite a lot at Unum and quite a lot in the NHS. And actually in 2021, I undertook a further course with um, the Royal Marsden for foundations in cancer practice. And, and one of the main sort of areas that they really focused on in the course, which is really, really pertinent to everything we do, is sort of pre rehabilitation prior to embarking on cancer treatment. So basically this translates to helping people affected by cancer make the most of their lives by maximising the outcomes of their treatment as well as minimising the consequences of treatment including side effects. So it's not sort of it's it's not really 
unusual to know that a diagnosis of cancer can have a really profound effect on a person's mental and physical health and emotional well-being and starting treatment is a colossal undertaking. So basically, in a bit of a nutshell, if you can be as fit and well as possible prior to embarking on treatment, this can only be a positive thing. And we use the analogy, you wouldn't even attempt to run a marathon without undertaking training first. I wouldn't even attempt to run a marathon. No, I wouldn't either. <laughs> I just, one of my friends from the gym, uh, she went and did a 10k yesterday and she did it in mm. 41 minutes. Oh, well, and I said, good. yeah, I couldn't do a 5k in 41 minutes. Yeah, that's really good. Really, really fast and mm. very impressive. Mm. But definitely mm. she didn't just do it. She got into it running during lockdown. Training. Actually, and she yeah, really, yeah. really enjoys it. She's really, yeah. really frequent. And she just loves that competition piece. Yeah. And, but it is yeah. it's that. It, and it's the whole element. She made a decision during lockdown, actually, uh, to exercise more, to change her diet. She mm. just started, uh, she decide, decided to go back to university, did a whole thing. And she didn't just decide to weight train. She didn't just decide to change her food. She did it. I don't think she overhauled all of these things all in one go. But we need to be happy in what we're doing in our work. We need to be happy yeah. in what we're doing at home. We need to be yeah. moving. It, it's that kind of holistic piece, not just health yeah. meaning body, but health meaning mental, health meaning emotional, being you know, physically your whole self. And if you're mm. not happy somewhere, if there's dissatisfaction somewhere, then we need to be changing that as well. Yeah. So it's what you're saying is that, Kind of, and I remember the session, and obviously we did the the podcast talking about it as well. It's that whole body, mind, everything approach, and that has those kind of more tangible results in terms of the outcome and the success. So just like tell us, tell us about that term, kind of prehab, that yeah, mind, body, and, and soul piece. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sort of like a, a holistic approach. So it's not really a completely new one, but a lot of laymen probably haven't heard of the term prehabilitation. The origins were originally embedded sort of in the surgical pathway of cancer care, but now it's been translated into the medical pathway. So this sort of systemic anti-cancer therapy, so chemotherapy, targeted therapy, immunotherapy, as well as radiotherapy. And it's, as, as you've said, this whole sort of holistic approach, it's a combination of sort of like structured exercise, psychological support, nutritional optimization to kind of increase the mental and physical resilience to cancer treatment. So this empowers patients, hopefully, because it improves quality of life and potentially there's long-term health benefits pro promoting lasting behavioural changes. It's obviously person-centred and the aim is to build resilience and empowerment. And just sort of boring bit of research, research does indicate that physical activity after a cancer diagnosis is associated with increased survival time and reduced the risk of disease progression. Research also indicates that people may be less vulnerable to the side effects of cancer treatment. I mean, it's not saying just because you go down the gym, you're going to eliminate all side effects, but it will, again, it will kind of build more resilience. So if someone's as healthy as possible, both psychologically and physically. And people with cancer who have poor physical and or mental health are known to have sort of less treatment options available because they're likely to be more vulnerable to the adverse effects of cancer treatments and to also have poor long-term health prospects, irrespective of the cancer type or stage of disease. So the kind of the aspect of promoting lasting changes in behaviour is an important take-home message really going forward for the future. 
it's basically finally the research says looking after your mood yeah exercising yeah being healthier in general mm. that's going to give me better outcomes yeah going through treatment for cancer so if I went in not it's not necessarily going to completely remove my risk there are always no. still higher risks all still risks but if I'm having that approach emotionally because I'm stronger I'm emotionally able to more mm. cope with things I've got better coping strategies I'm looking after myself physically I'm eating well I'm not drinking yeah. as much I'm not t- participating and I'm We'll talk about some of the the more risk factors a little bit later, but Mm. I've reduced kind of key causes of cancer and I'm generally just kind of fitter and healthier. I'm going to be more successful in my my treatment outcomes. So my my health outcomes are going to be better if I move. Yeah. If I moderate certain, like what I'm eating, alcohol, thinking about my automatic thought processes Mm. and it's it's i think the thing is it's moving it's kind of it's moving away from the nh i mean i have to speak for the nhs because obviously they provide a lot of the cancer care they don't they're not moving to judge people for the lifestyle choices they've made they're they're aiming to educate people and there's also i i personally don't like the analogy and off and the research also doesn't like the analogy there's 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 absolute evidence-based research using there's people often use this kind of war battle analogy I'm going to fight this I'm going to fight that we want to move away from that because the onus on survival in that respect is like well if they didn't if it went to stage four or they died it's because they didn't fight hard enough and it's got nothing to do with fighting but I think over the, the last three years, three, four years, we've become more aware of our own health and mortality, unfortunately, with COVID. And many of us don't actually start to think to do something about changing our behaviour until something arises in our health. And I hear a lot from people who have had a significant diagnosis and it's not just exclusive to cancer. But essentially, if we all try and do our bit to be advocates for our own health and well-being, because the latest statistics, they're still a little bit, they're probably a little bit outdated, but further research hasn't been done since 2020, obviously, because other stuff's been going on since 2020. But uh, Cancer Research UK stated that four in 10 cancers are actually preventable and smoking is the most important preventable cause of cancer in the world and causes at least 15 different types of cancer. There isn't actually a lot of wiggle room where smoking is concerned as there's no safe level of smoking and stopping completely is the best thing you can do. But it's never too late to stop. And there are lots of sort of stopping smoking groups, cessation groups through the NHS. It's important to have an incentive to stop and lean on family and friends for support because it's not easy to give up smoking. Also, as another sort of lifestyle change that you can make is sort of Obesity basically is the second biggest cause of cancer in the UK and more than one in 20 cancer cases are caused by excess weight. So again, maintaining a healthy weight. And that doesn't necessarily mean sticking to the BMI guidance because the BMI Thank is a little bit... Thank goodness for that. It's inaccurate <laughs> because a lot of people that are really, really athletic because muscle weighs more than fat. If you look at the BMI and the weight, sometimes they fall into the overweight range, but actually... You know, they're running five times a week going down the gym. Does that make them unhealthy? 
And another factor, obviously, to consider terribly boring is your alcohol intake, as alcohol can cause seven types of cancer and cutting down will reduce your risk. But there's lots of sort of incentivising public health messages out there at the moment. Obviously, we're on the 2nd of October now and there's sober October and also dry January. Um, but again, it's important not to go in for help because some people may be drinking themselves into oblivion for 11 months of the year, but they're like, oh, well, I gave up in October, gave up in January. I think the key message is moderation, if that makes sense. <laughs> it, it, it does. And I think it's really, it's, we have a massive drinking culture in the UK. And I yeah. feel like every, sing, every single podcast I talk about alcohol, mm. maybe because I'm obsessed with it or because I'm very conscious of it, I feel I've become more conscious and self-aware the more of these mm. sessions I do because it isn't yep. just that their recurring theme, mood is impacted by alcohol, yeah. health, gut health, confidence, motive, everything and then you've got anxiety, you know, yeah. anxiety. People, you know, people say about anxiety, don't they? And it's yep. it's real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And 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 just the the ups and downs, the impact mm. it can have on people's mood, the coping mechanism. Mm. And then you've also got the the health impacts. Not only does it, you know, like you say, it's one of those things that can lead to cancer, it will definitely contribute to obesity as well and, and being overweight because yeah. alcohol is, is full of yeah generally full of calories Empty there's calories yeah yeah there's there's so many elements to it but thinking back to the fact that we did the, do this a couple of years ago a year and a bit ago and interestingly I know I always like to refer back to myself just because it's my own working example that that it takes such a long time to build a habit and you've got to kind of replace something with yeah. something so yeah. if you've got a coping mechanism and, and I, I my weakness really is is wine and I can, can I can make any excuse for a reason to be able to to drink something yeah not in the day not in the mornings you know <laughs> well, what I mean not at work <laughs> <laughs> depends on the situation no but it just mm. it kind of you have a really difficult week and you think oh um, it's Thursday. I, I it's deserve like a, a reward, glass. isn't it? Sometimes, yeah. 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 And the other week, I was really disappointed with myself because I've been going. I've been getting to the point where I was because you're meant to have at least three non-alcohol days a week, con- mm. like ideally consecutive. Yeah. Three yeah. full non-alcohol days a week. So I was always kind of well. I definitely won't drink Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then well, it's, it's Thursday. I've managed to get through most of the week. It's only Friday tomorrow, mm. or it's Friday mm. now. It's Saturday, and then Sunday you have to have a bottle of red wine because it's Sunday, not yeah. me on my own, like a shared bottle. Yeah, with family. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like that. It always, and then you're like, oh, I've managed to move into this habit again. Yeah. And yeah. it's so easy to fall into, it. and I'd managed to get right down to just one maximum one drink drinking and like day of drinking mm. <laughs> sounds mm. really all or nothing I mean one occasion of drinking per week yeah which is a big change from Thursday mm. Friday Saturday Sunday and then I just it's just getting the habit and getting used to it and then just recently had two difficult weeks at work and straight away fell in back into that Thursday Friday Saturday mm. Sunday mm. and then went into the Monday feeling so awful yeah, like yeah. not hungover, like not like just jaded. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It just takes its toll. I mean, I'm forty now, so <laughs> that's the added benefit. But it takes its toll, and it's frustrating because then I actually had that comparison of I've had a year, pretty like a whole year of feeling mm. fresh and mm. good and ready to go, 
and look at look at what you've done. Your your rubbish coping mechanism. What I should have done on that night is left the house, gone for a walk. Yeah. Done some breathing. I said, I've got some really like I think it's called seed lip, and I mix it with like a spark. Oh, like the jit, like the jit. Is it like fake a non-alcoholic gin? Yeah, gin. like yeah, botanic, yeah. botanical, and then like a yeah. like a ro- a sparkling rose water drink. It's, and it feels yeah. like I'm having a cocktail. Yeah, yeah. Put it yeah. in a fancy glass. Yeah, have yeah. It with put ice. it in a nice gin glass, and, and yeah. I've, yeah, I've been getting into that habit. And that yeah. was quite nice. I should have just done something like that and I didn't. And I was really annoyed with myself. But the point I was making, I've just done a really long around the houses, is very much you've got to, you can't just necessarily give up something no. that you're you're enjoying no, and you no. get benefit from. No. What are you going to replace it with? How are you going to get that feeling yeah. from something else? Like the yeah. smoking. Yeah. If you just give up smoking, nothing, that you've got to have something else that you're going to enjoy yeah, doing really as a distraction. Hard. It's yeah. really hard. I mean, I'm a, you know, a, a long time ago, I used to smoke and it's really hard. And mm. I think it's kind of more about mitigating the risk to a certain extent. Because I mean, I'm not going to say, oh God, you can't ever drink wine, mm. you can't ever have chocolate, because literally life's... <laughs> challenging enough yeah yeah life's challenging enough anyway isn't it but it's just I yeah. suppose it's mitigating it by adding in certain things to your life sort of like exercising and again I'm not saying going off and doing a 10k or going off and you know climbing Kilimanjaro but sort of just little again it's all incremental mm. nothing drastic but if you just if you bring incremental changes into your life, you know, just for example, moving a bit during the day, those of us that have got, you know, desk space roles, you know, but we're off, we're, there's a more hybrid approach now, isn't there, since COVID, a, a good thing to have come out of COVID, just like don't, you know, sort of go for a walk in your lunch shower, use the stairs if you're in the office, if you've got a sit stand desk, stand up whilst you're working, don't take the lift, just sort of get moving. Because again, this is, not only can it help prevent cancer at all, so you have increased energy, but also because you've got increased energy, sleep will be less, hopefully less disturbed. This is coming from a lifelong insomniac. Um, and it can also help reduce your risk of sort of like heart disease, stroke, diabetes. And I mean, a lot of people also exercise as well as the physical health benefits. I hear so many people say the sort of the mental psychological benefits are huge. A lot of people start running to help with their mental health. And it really, again, it's it's holistic, isn't it? But exercise, I mean, exercise can be a bit boring, can't it? If you're not really naturally inclined to it, but it's just finding what suits you. And even if it's just walking on a treadmill or going for a walk, finding what's it's very tailored to the individual and what suits the individual really I would say what you enjoy and and actually I am I've been doing classes and things like that but I realized Mm. how much I because I haven't had a personal trainer for ages oh first world problems I know but I really like having a personal trainer and I had Mm. I, I had one on I've always had one on and off for five years and mm. then it's an expense like it is an expense yeah. and I, I couldn't keep having one all the time I was having having one all the way through lockdown like virtually three times mm-hmm. a week it was brilliant mm-hmm. and but I just thought I've got to prioritize other stuff I can't keep paying yeah. it out so I got rid of it and was going to classes all the time and that's fine but classes are so generic and it's great yeah. I've got mates it's, I've made mates at the gym mm. that's all lovely I just love that sense of feeling strong and lifting heavy weights yeah. and I used the 
app so the help at hand app that you get from unum yeah there's you can get if you do like the little well-being score thing on there you can then unlock support if you've got certain products so specifically the jip the jip grouping cup protection product you do your 360 well-being score it tests things like your social your emotional your physical and your financial health my weaknesses mm. were financial health specifically <laughs> not surprising <laughs> and i can't remember what the other one was oh because I, I thought i'd be pretty good because of doing this job and, and a lot of the insight that i get mm. so it was only it was like 71 out of 100 which i think was pretty good and financial well-being is always rubbish for me anyway because you know spendaholic but anyway i decided to unlock the personal training sessions mm. and it has been so good i really didn't know what to expect i know it's our own unum stuff and you kind of not really sure if it's going to be any good mm. i've met with this guy a couple of times now i've moved on the four week pro I'm on a 12-week program i've done the first four weeks i'm doing personal bests and deadlifts and squats and whatever mm. and then today oh today was my first session oh, like he'd, it's it's upped so mm. everything's gone higher doing more heavier weights and more frequent like more reps etc a whole other extra circuit after it and you know what it's just so brilliant it's so good and if you don't know where to get started that's it's where you can starting point yeah, yeah. it's, it's such a good framework point. yeah gave me all the stuff increase your steps by a further 2000 a day because you just need to get moving a bit more what and and it, it wouldn't if i didn't want to do that plan it would have been a different one whatever yeah. works for that person yeah um, and I've just got the help the uh, nutrition one as well and I'm due to have another appointment tomorrow to review that and they've looked at you know we've talked about what my goals are and what I want to mm. achieve and what I'm currently eating what I, you know and, and it's it just helps you get started you mentioning that actually that's a good segue into just you were saying about lifting weights and, and you're probably not there yet but I am you know obviously weight based exercise is really really good for when you're sort of perimenopausal menopausal because it really helps bone health and bone density and obviously I presume help at hand have they got information regarding sort of managing the menopause because obviously that's been really massively in the public eye thank goodness yeah there is there is there's actually some really good articles on the app as well so you can Mm. go into the app and we've just launched um a well-being and menopause session for employees and then there's a a line manager supporting Mm. um, employees with menopause as well workshop so we've got there is it is is, um, I think I think I'm perimenopausal but who's who's to know unless you go to the doctors and get tested and (laughs) I'm only just managing to get around to doing the online PT (laughs) <laughs> go and do the GP but like I said moderation <laughs> so I mean it's the same stuff with we're always saying the same things and this doesn't just relate to kind of being mentally and emotionally and physically prepared but if you did get a cancer diagnosis like doing yes. all of these things will help reduce the risk of cancer it will help reduce uh, be more successful through your cancer treatment and your mm. outcomes are going to be better but that's not the only reason for this kind of healthy living you know none of this is rocket science it's all normal stuff that we see every day yeah you mentioned already like not smoking smoking is absolutely 100 you cannot do it i know that you said about kind of reducing weight i'm interested i don't know if you know much or talk much about 
the kind of the processed foods or specifically the ultra processed foods because that's yeah. a topic that I'm incredibly curious about. I've just bought the book about ultra processed people I haven't read it yet but it's about you know the amount of ingredients in foods now and yeah. everything's processed and affecting that's... the microbiome and yeah Tim Spector is the guy he's um he was quite he was leading the, the Zoe long COVID study as well but he's very he's a really sort of like recognized authority and sort of gut microbiome and ultra processed foods and the fact that the the de- I mean I'm not going to start quoting it because I haven't got the the um the papers to hand so I don't want to sort of scare anyone but I mean obviously introducing sort of meat-free options into your diet on a weekly basis is a good idea again it's not rocket science it's not rocket science at all and and I think obviously because of COVID's got a lot to answer for I think people are very still really reticent about going to their GP because it's oh I can't get an appointment they're really busy they don't want to see me so it's again with Obviously, I mentioned the sort of the public health messages about sober October and dry January. You'll you're probably seeing increased advertising campaigns about you know if it's just you know if you've had a cough for longer than three weeks or you've noticed a bit of blood in your poo and your urine. It's kind of knowing what's normal for you, and if something happens that is abnormal, because there's no such thing as a normal bowel habit is what's normal for you but again it's like going to the doctors keeping up to date with smears mammograms if you're over 50 checking your breasts checking your testicles again not rocket science and don't ignore your symptoms um, or attempt attempt to self-diagnose or google yourself into oblivion um i mean it does help but just go to the doctors i would say definitely i, I like i said it's not it's nothing new that I'm saying really at all. There's health checks for over 40s. I've already had my text message mm. from my doctor. I turned 40 in July and I think like three days later I got my text message going, you're over 40 now, come and have all your yeah. tests. And it's like your blood pressure and your cholesterol and just a general health check. I think yeah. I live in a, I don't live in as an a affluent area. And so they're very, very hot on all of the mm. Mm. the health support and initiatives and I'm really really grateful for that I quite I personally anyway because of medical conditions qualify for like all your jabs and everything for yeah I get all the early fast track jabs all of that mm. stuff and I always just think it's just so incredible the NHS and the resources and the mm. the support that's there to really try and catch stuff early use it don't yeah. be afraid but if you're worried you mentioned about the GPs and people don't want to go or they self-diagnose. My husband is always worried about being ill, but he's like, oh, if I go to the GP. So he uses the help at hand app because he gets it mm. from, from me and he'll yeah. be able to just have a doctor's appointment that day or maybe the next morning. Oh, I've had this tummy pain for X amount of time or this. Yeah. And then they'll just reassure you or mm. actually say, yeah, that's something you should get checked or have you yeah. thought about this? Yeah. And it's it's invaluable to to make you just kind of get that reassurance. Yeah, it's another level okay. of reassurance, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. We need to make a health a priority, mental health, physical health, mm. all of that. How, how, you know, what are your top tips? What are the best indicators you would say if we're going to take, someone's going to take something away from this session, your top things to take away from this session indicates you're on the right track whatever that might be I would say obviously stop smoking that would that would be my main thing I'm quite evangelical about that 
try and increase your exercise. I think the I think my key thing is I I don't think anyone will listen if you're if you preach to them if you come across with judgment and right you've got to stop this stop that don't do this because we're all under so much pressure environmentally there's a cost of living crisis going on which shows no signs of um dissipating again it's i think it's the sort of the building blocks that we've all been attempting to sort of educate people on but it's just sort of reinforcing that message without being too dictatorial so increasing your exercise I mean because I I know sort of personally sort of walking has really helped me helped my sleep like I said I've always suffered from insomnia and increasing I'm not I would never be a runner but I like walking um, and that's really really helped get just sort of getting fresh air just generally helps in terms of concentration levels following I don't want to say don't eat junk food because one, you know, there's. I don't believe in the term clean food either because no food is dirty. You know, if you ate a thousand burgers a day, then that might be problematical. But it's not demonising food because, again, that can lead to problems in itself. So I would say following a sensible diet, in, you know, following the Mediterranean diet, lots of fresh fruit, vegetables. Whole um, foods, isn't it? Yeah, Whole foods. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I'd, I don't eat meat. I'm pescatarian, but that I've always been, I've been like that for a long time. And that's just sort of personal reasons because I don't really like it. But obviously try and cut down your meat consumption if, you know, it's, again, I, I'm speaking as a pescatarian, so I've never had a problem with it. But someone that is a meat eater, it's not always easy. But you could, but it's just about being a bit more creative and inventive with your food choices. Again, I would say as so, well, so, sorry, ex- just with the meat, you can. Mm. It's, it's red meat specifically as well. That's yeah, red problem. meat. Yeah, red meat is. If you're going to cut down anything, I would say cut out cut down and cut out the red meats because obviously and especially processed smoked meats like I mean bacon isn't technically a red meat but processed things like ham I'm not saying you can never eat ham or have a bacon sandwich but again it's very very processed and there's an increased risk of bowel malignancies as a result of that I'm not saying if you've eaten bacon sandwich you're going to get bowel cancer but it's just just be, again being there's a higher link mindful. There? Th- yeah. you can actually get now it's you can get bacon without nitrates and you can get yeah. ham without nitrates there yeah. are there's there it's a little bit more costly but you can yeah. find it as well or yeah. do what my husband wants to do and smoke his own meat he's just yeah, his own smoker people, yeah a lot of people do that <laughs> another I think another important thing and I think a lot we as we're moving into the sort of autumnal winter months I mean it's sort of 20 degrees out there at the moment even though it's October it's also being mindful that even though the sun doesn't look as high and as strong as it does in July make sure that you wear your SPF even even in the winter months actually if you're sitting by a window an open window UVA and UVB can come in so I would say and the the SPFs that you can get now are brilliant you can wear them under or over makeup if you wear makeup and you can incorporate them into your sort of daily skincare because I would say that it's it's really important sun damage and potentially melanoma can well sun damage will occur and potentially melanoma could occur with with sun exposure and you need to wear an SPF of at least 30 I would even go for 50 all year round. My dad Um, actually had a melanoma removed this year and it was 
it's kind of he doesn't wear sun cream and it was a yeah. real kind of hit home a lot and especially yeah. when we spoke last time we spoke about sunbeds and you were like that's also a non-negotiable no sunbeds no yeah, smoking yeah yeah and yeah. I I did I, obviously I haven't, you don't cut out anything completely but I was only having them every now and then and I I've I've been really conscious to just to, to fake tan instead you know like things like that yeah. because you it when you're someone you know get something like that it yeah. can be really terrifying it's a bit of a it's a bit of a sort of wake-up call and I think mm. a lot of people think if they wear SPF it's like, I'm not going to tan it doesn't mean you're not going to tan it just means you might not burn mm. that's that's what it is and, and obviously we were saying about sunbeds they're Again, I don't want to sound too evangelical, but they they emit really high intensity UV radiation. That's why the tan is so rapid. But the problem is they, you know, like booths, lamps, sunbeds, they give off the UV radiation and this just damages actually the DNA in the skin cells. So if enough damage sort of builds up over time, it causes the, cell, the cells to start growing out of control. So again... It's not safer than sunbathing. Sunbeds aren't. People think it is, but it's not. And sunbeds won't protect you from sunburn or damage. And there's they're marketed as a way of getting a safer tan, but there's no such thing as a safe tan, unless it's fake tan, um, because there's UV radiation. Um, and they did. There is a study out that actually says that skin cancer risk from sunbeds can be more than double than that spending time in the Mediterranean midday summer sun. So that's quite a sobering thought. Mm. So again, that's probably, again, it's probably not rocket science, but it's just being mindful of um, protect. It's, I suppose it's protecting yourself. You can't, I'm not saying, like I said, I'm not saying if you, if you never drink, you never smoke, you live off lentils and you never go in the sun. I'm not saying you're not going to get cancer. But because... I'm definitely saying you'll be unhappy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you might, you might, your life might not be too cracky, but, but it's, I'm not saying that if you do all these things, that means you won't get cancer, but you are helping to reduce the risk, potentially. You're doing more than by not doing anything. And you're helping yourself, if you did get cancer, help your treatment outcome success yeah. as well. By that. Yeah. That, there's not, yeah, and don't do any of this all on your own. Don't do any of this. No, no all in one go but just be conscious and I think that's something that I've really taken away from all of the different podcasts and workshops and webinars that we've been doing and the research and what we share on these sessions is if you just take one thing away I'm just gonna yeah. reduce my processed foods I'm just gonna cut yeah, down yeah don't go my red in, meat yeah don't go in all guns blazing I mean if you're that kind of person because some people are they like to go in and they throw themselves in or nothing you've got to do what suits you if you want to go in and make all the changes crack on but I would say don't put too much pressure on yourself and and, and also you know we've been talking about physical health we could start a whole other podcast about mental health because that's so important and you know, there is a very well-known piece of literature by an American psychoanalytic therapist called Bessel van der Kolk, and he dealt with his, his world expert, renowned expert in trauma, whether it's combat trauma, trauma as a result of abuse, abusive relationships, any tra trauma doesn't necessarily have to be combat or in a car accident. And he, his research, he wrote a renowned book called The Body Keeps the Score, and basically he said that the body internalizes psychological trauma so a lot of people do find that if they haven't addressed or processed or dealt with trauma the body will keep the score of it and you will 
you often get very, very physically ill as a result of your mental health. So that's there's a lot really, doesn't it? That's a good incentivization. I feel like everybody should have therapy, like just in their yeah. life, like just have yeah. CBT, help you manage your emotions, your thought processes. Yeah. Cause I mean I had CBT and it was the best thing I've ever had in my I life. I think it's the best the best investment you can make in your mental health. And again, it probably sounds a real cheesy cliche, but I always said the people that are in therapy are because of the people that aren't. <laughs> <laughs> I just know what I've heard that before, and it is really true. Yeah. But it, uh, I look around sometimes, and I just think, oh, your the way your your automatic thoughts are just really mm. not in a great place, and yeah. it can yeah. it can be really difficult. So do the work, look after yourself, prioritize mm. yourself, because I think a lot of the time as well we do things because we don't prioritize ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And we really, really are the most important people in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, because if yeah. we don't do the stuff for us, yep. we can't do it. Yeah, We can't deliver what everyone else needs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's about sort of taking care of yourself, trying to hold yourself in as much empathy and compassion as you would do, hopefully, to other people without sounding too airy-fairy. <laughs> it's not airy-fairy. I think it's <laughs> brilliant. And I feel like that's a perfect a perfect point to, to summarise and leave, you know, you, you sh- sh- treat yourself with the empathy that you would show others. We've talked about so many different things today, all the way from healthy living really does mean a healthier life. And that isn't just physical, that is emotional, that mm. is your social, that's all elements, the whole, whole holistic piece, as Emma mentioned at the very, very start. We've talked about some of the non-negotiables, smoking, eating that kind of those red meats, those sunbeds, and, you know, definitely need to reduce our alcohol intake. But on top of that, look after yourself emotionally. Look after your yourself, your whole self, and prioritise your whole self. So, yeah, thank you so much for your time, Emma. You're welcome. Thanks for so much, Beth. Thank you, and I'll see you on the next one. <laughs>